Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, English teacher and school principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook at at Sarah S.A. Johnson. Be sure to subscribe to the In Awe Podcast so you can join me each week as I feature women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Friends, welcome to the final episode in what has been a very inspirational series on service. Our guiding quote this month has been, if service is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. And today's guest is the embodiment of service-oriented leadership. As we round the corner on the end of 2020, I cannot think of someone better to share with you than this inspirational woman. Stacy Green began her tenure at Stockton Grade School, SGS, as a new principal with an ambitious goal, transform the school's culture from an isolated individual classroom focus to an integrated, responsive, and collaborative environment where teachers lead with the whole child and the whole school in mind. In just six years, Green has had remarkable success, not only because of her individual talents, but because of her belief that change happens when leaders empower others to remove barriers and transform problems into opportunities. Green has used this approach to lead SGS through the Kansas School Redesign process, earning the distinction of being named a Kansas Mercury School in 2017. On the path toward personalizing student learning, Green has supported teachers in aligning with school vision and purpose through personalized professional development. SGS teachers have since embraced trauma-informed practices, increasing connection with students across experiences, and improving staff's capacity for mutual support, self-care, and vicarious trauma prevention. Today, SGS is known for high community and family engagement, regularly hosting visits and presenting at conferences on the power of redesigning instruction through research-based practices. Superintendent Roger Lowry notes Green's insatiable quest for knowledge of education and leadership, calling her the best principal he has observed in his 20 years as an administrator. Green holds an MS from Fort Hayes State University and a BA from Bethany College. Stacy was recently awarded the Kansas District... Uh, Distinguished Principal, the Kansas National Distinguished Principal Class of 2020, and a Bethany College 2020 Alumni Award of Merit. Stacy is the wife of Kirk, and they recently celebrated their 30th wedding anniversary. They have two children, Audrey and husband Corey and Joel. Hot off the presses, this December, they gained a new addition to their family with the birth of their first grandchild. In this episode, we discuss Stacy's journey to servant leadership and how she serves beyond the school walls, her experiences serving a learning community for over 30 years, and the joy she finds in leading with service, how knowing herself better serves her to serve others with an open heart, and we discover more about what oriented her heart at an early age to service. I loved every single second of this interview with a woman who deeply inspires me. Stacy has been one of the most consistent and loving supporters of this podcast from the beginning, and I am deeply humbled that she would share herself with our community. It is an honor to share with you my friend, Stacy Green's service story. Welcome, Stacy Green, to the In Awe Podcast. I am finally having you on the show to share your light with listeners. I'm so excited. Good morning, Sarah. I'm so glad to be able to join you. Um, it's been a privilege, and at last, we finally get to do this together. Yay, such a gift. So will you go ahead, and for the listeners who somehow don't know who Stacy Green is, can you just give us a little bit of your current context and what you're up to in this world? Yes. Yeah, so I am um, 
wife to my husband, Kirk, and mom to two children, um, Audrey and Joel, and soon to be a Gigi. Our daughter, Audrey, and her husband, Corey, will bless us with a granddaughter here in a week or so. And then um, professionally, I am the principal of a pre-K-7 um, school here in Stockton and have been in the district 31 years. And the last eight have had the opportunity to be the, the lead learner here. That's so awesome. I love that you get to be a Gigi soon. It's maybe even by the time we launch this, the baby will be here and you'll be a full on Gigi. (laughs) I'm so excited. That's awesome. I love that part of your story too, that you have been in the same district for so long and that you've been, um, as you say, the lead learner, or if people don't understand that terminology, so you're the principal there, um, leading that school in learning, which is exciting. Yeah. Some people think 31 years is, um, maybe a negative thing that I have chosen to stay in the same district from the time I entered as a, a first year teacher into where I am now. But I think it's um, more about how I've progressed through this time and looked for different opportunities to grow. You definitely can't say I've stayed stagnant just because I've been in the same place, but I've looked for those things that I can not only grow myself, but others and, and leave this district in a better place than I found it. So I love that you added that. And I think it segues us perfectly because I want to talk about the fact that you're here on the service series because that was really intentional on my part. I think I asked you a couple months ago. (laughs) Is that true? That's true. Yes. We've been talking about this for a while. Right. And a huge part of that is I think it ties so beautifully to that story because, you know, as you stated, some people might say 31 years in one spot could produce something, but I have a sense based on what I've been able to get to know you on is that it really has to do with service. Do you want to speak to that at all? Yes, I can. In a, we're a small community, rural community. Um, and the school, like many places is the center of what's happening here. And so no matter what I'm doing, whether that be in the building, um, out of the building, whether that be through my church, through the theater, through our youth center in town, it all inevitably ties back to school. So um, it's really hard sometimes to separate myself from professional role as well as just personal and, and community role. And typically everything I'm doing is um, focused on benefiting of our youth and what we can do to make them stronger, not only academically, but just through their um, social emotional growth too. You're such a cool lady. I love it because um, so much of what we talk about with school leaders is finding that balance and that ability to step away. And I am sure that just given that context, that's got to be harder for you than most people, even, you know, they're in larger districts, whether they're teaching or principaling or whatever role they serve in the school, they can maybe step away from that and be a little anonymous, but that's just completely impossible for you, isn't it? It very much is. So no matter where I am, that can be, there can be some negatives to that, but there also can be some positive. I've got some, some very, um, passionate people in our community who check in often, um, pray for us for what's going on. They um, offer to help in ways that they might not offer in, in other places because they are so connected. So I tend to look for the more positive things that happen and the negative things I've learned, especially in the last nine months, I can control those things. So it might be I'm choosing where I go and when I go and what time, and I'll be honest and transparent in that. So I know how I've just learned to be better controlling of that. Mm, that's so good. So you've lived this beautiful life of service in your professional role in this little, you know, community that you've served and you've raised your children in and all of these things. It's just, it really is a life of service as a leader. And I want to hear, I know every time we talk, I feel like I'm 
I'm hearing a little nugget of something that I never knew about you, but would you just humor me a little bit? And outside of the principal role, you've mentioned um, supporting in church and theater. You want to share just a little bit about some of the the ways that you've served a community um, through programming over the years? Yeah, I'm going to go back even a little further if you don't care, Sarah, because I've thought about this a lot of the last couple of months from opportunities I've had. I grew up in a town just 30 miles from here and again, kind of bucked the system. I really didn't want to be this close to home. You know, when you first come out of college, you think you're on to bigger and better things, but um, God had more plans than that for, than, than we had planned. So um, I grew up with very service-oriented people. So I'm the first one in our side of the family, my mom's side of the family, to have a college education. But I grew up with people, my grandpa, my grandma, my mom, my dad, aunts and uncles, very service-driven um, plumbers and electricians and beauticians and um, all of those people. So I saw day in and day out in a small community, them serving other people, stopping in the middle of our dinner to go fix someone's water heater or whatever. Um, my mom went to the, to the funeral home to do hair for the last time. So I live that. And I think that's something I reflected on more recently, that that's truly where my, um, my focus has come from. So as I went into college, it was not my intent to be an educator. I was going the business route and um, I won't go into that story, but um, switched at the end of my sophomore year to move into education. And again, I think I just had turned myself away from that because that wasn't a profession I saw myself in, but I kept being drawn back to that service part by some other things I was doing at the college level. And then also through high school and college, just being actively involved in lots of things. At the time, I think it was more driven by how will this help me get a scholarship? How will this help me get this or get this? And finally, in college, I had a couple opportunities where I really focused on it was less about service to get me what I wanted and more a Christ-centered approach to my service. And that that flip really changed what I was doing um, then later on as I took a professional role here in this community. So again, now to bring back to your question, I guess locally, I initially I looked for things to get involved and get to know people. It's really hard, even though I'd grown up 30 miles from here to move into a small town. Things are already established with friendship circles and, and those kind of things. So I sought out things that, um, again, could develop... Um, myself and my husband as a couple in the community. So again, very active in our church from chime choir to um, children's sermons. I'm currently on the finance committee. And then my husband and I, along with two other couples in the community, spent a lot of evenings talking about what we could offer to our kids in this community. They didn't have a lot of um, outside school things besides church. And we had a lot of unchurched kids in our community as well. So together we worked to form a um, 501c3 for um, a, a youth center. And that we just celebrated our 10th year and being able to serve the kids in our community. I'm sure missing it um, because we've limited um, the comings and goings at the center due to COVID. So I'm ready to get those kids back in that place and, and begin to share that fusion with them that we've had and we've built on the last 10 years. So there you are. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that you stepped backward to provide that image of your family and just those beautiful details that you shared. <laughs> just stopping dinner to go help somebody with a water heater, I think you said. And was your mom, um, did she do hair for? Yes. 
and she had it, our shop, the shop was in the home. So we'd be, you know, I could walk out of our living room and open a door and be into her beauty shop. She would tell you that was good and bad too, because sometimes I would be under her feet and not need to be there or do something I shouldn't do and get myself in trouble. But all those women, especially that came and went um, during my childhood are still close friends now. And my mom has since retired, but it's fun to go back and think about me sitting on a stool in her shop and just hearing these ladies chit chat and talk about community. So I've got some great memories. That is really beautiful. Wow. It's an, another story that I hadn't heard from you that I just am in love with. <laughs> community and joy, right? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Okay. And then I just, I was thinking about this because I think on a podcast, you know, we speak so quickly and I'm just enamored with people's stories. And when I think about the fact that you said you just celebrated 10 years of opening this 501c 3C <laughs> um, center and how COVID's impacted. And I think, you know, most principals or most educators I know, they don't want to, ser- I mean, they have a passion and they, they'll want to serve. But I know like even in our church, a lot of educators don't serve in the children's ministry because they do that all day long, every day. <laughs> and here you are, you know, offering up an opportunity that serves more, um, you know, beyond the church walls and creating this situation where it's almost like a, a saturation for you with kids, but it's using your gifts in a different way. And I just don't want to walk away from that without n- noting how special that really is, Stacy. That's so cool. Come because of our relationships with other couples in the community and that we have that same passion for our youth. And yeah, I've got some amazing, beautiful stories of some some kids that um, have crossed our paths and that we planted seeds at the time, but didn't know where they would go. And it's been fun to see letters come back or a phone call here and there. This is where the joy of Facebook, it can be um, an evil thing sometimes too, but the joy of Facebook is those um, quote unquote kids finding us again and sharing where they are in their lives. So it's been pretty incredible to to know that we may not see on this side the fruit that we've um, been working on, but um, but someone else beyond us has taken those next steps and and help those youth be to where they are today. Oh, what a perfect example too of just that that service piece. Because I also heard you say too that your service orientation shifted, and I would say you know seems kind of fairly early in your life too to be able to see that how you were. Uh, reflecting on the fact that you were doing things to kind of serve your mission of getting wherever it was. And then you became more Christ-centered in your service to kind of put that outward. And so that is a really beautiful example, just one of so many. I mean, I, you and I have been connected more deeply for, gosh, like a year, um, maybe a little more. I struggle with timelines, but you know, we've kind of been connected via Twitter or whatever, but having a deeper connection has shown me of all the little things that you do that nobody would know, or like, you don't broadcast. Um, but it's just something so special about you. Do you, do you think that's a focus that you've had intentionally or because you've been influenced as you were growing up, it's just a natural thing? Um, because the other thing is, I know I'm layering on a lot of questions here, but I see that you influence that in your culture too at school. Um, like a, a, It's almost like a reciprocity that comes from living a life of service. Is that something that you are intentional about creating with people around you? Honestly, I think a lot of it comes naturally almost to a fault. And I think, you know, I know we've talked about this is that... Um, it, it, I don't think about it. It just comes out of humble. And I'd rather not even anyone know what I'm doing. So I, I, a lot of my things just happen because we do it in a humble way. But um, so I know I think it just come. It's just come that way. But I've had to rein some of that into or learn to maybe not um, 
it sounds kind of crazy, but not serve so much and not forget about myself. And that time came again, like we've talked back in that spring of 2017, where I had to do some pretty hard reflection so that I didn't wear myself out and in serving others. So I, I think it, it just comes naturally. And again, a gift to my to my past generations, my mom and dad and grandparents and aunts and uncles who have shown that life to me. Yeah. And as I was thinking about your timeline, I'm thinking, okay, you started that shelter before you became the principal. Is that accurate? That's correct. Yes. Okay. So, the, and that's starting to fold into my, you know, I'm starting to see this picture a little bit. Um, and then I think, okay, 2017 was about five years into your principalship where that service just started to burn you um, on the inside. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that because it's so easy uh, to put something out there into the world and not give your vulnerable truths. And so when we you know, take the opportunity to reflect upon what is a challenge for us and share it with others, it's a gift uh, because we don't know who's listening right now and who needs to hear your message. Um, but I'd love to peel this if you're interested and willing to peel this apart a little bit, because you and I have done some deeper work in understanding, um, you know, how God made you and and who you are. And service is a part of your life in terms of how you're made. So can, would you venture down the Enneagram path just a little bit with me to help our listeners uh, hear that story from you a little bit? Yes, I would, because I think too oftentimes we think we're the only one going through that. And if we know that someone else has had an experience similar to ours, then I'm all about helping them through that, too. So, yes, I'll go with you there. <laughs> Oh, yay. Thank you. Okay. So we've worked with uh, the Enneagram and it took you a little while, but you you were able to recently determine your core number. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. So we've, um, again, like you said, it took some some weeks of reading and going through that. But yes, I am. I'm a one and um, learned a little bit more about that and embraced it. And I'm so thankful that you're always so willing to point out my wings as well. So (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's been fun too, as, as we were going through this to, to have conversations in our living room with my husband and our children that when they've come and gone and, and to talk about that. And I start reading those descriptions and they're like, um, yeah, that's you. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's so cool. So for the listeners that aren't familiar, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this term. I just really quickly, there's something called the Enneagram and it is a, it's a personality inventory, but it's, you know, it's pretty deep as, as we've all learned, Stacy was just talking about that reading. You know, you can go on and take any test you want, but the results really can only show you so much. And what I love about the Enneagram is that it is so complex and, uh, but it, it can speak to you in ways that other tests or, um, you know, formulas or frameworks just simply don't. And we talk about the wings. There are nine personality styles. And Stacy has determined that she is one of the nine. She's number one. But then when she says wings, there's uh, something, there's a circle that the Enneagram has. And when you have a core number, the number on either side of your core is your wing. So, you know, that's why we're so complex, beautiful human beings, because there's nobody listening that's a one that is a one like you, Stacy. <laughs> You know, you all have characteristics that are similar, um, but you're so unique and beautifully made. And so the service piece is beautifully tied. Do you want to talk about that with your wing? Yes, I can. Um, first of all, I think on that reformer side that what gets in the way is that perfectionism, the rigid part. Um, just me being um, very critical of myself um, and then learning to embrace some of that and, and give myself some grace there. But on that that service side is just being able to 
to walk into a, a place or a space or a relationship and know how I might help someone else grow through my service to them. And um, I might see something that they don't see. So again, it takes some relationship building before you can go there with them. But I think that's one of my gifts is that I can see things in them that they may not see or in a classroom that someone might not see um, in a systems change that may need to happen. And just being comfortable with finding ways to share that for the for the system's good. Oh, I love that you just totally brought that back into the space. So I think about when we're in school leadership and we think about um, change management and systems change, there's, you know, we can study that theory all we want, but knowing how we move in that space and how we see things is so powerful. And you as a one, which you reference as the reformer, you see what can be improved automatically. You walk into a room and you see what can be better. <laughs> That's kind of one of the cornerstones of being a one. Is that accurate? Yes, it is. And I have to be so careful with that because it can be, again, it goes back to that judgmental part. That's also um, a part of those conflicts plus with the one is that if, if, if I wasn't so careful with that or, um, keep it in front of me, it could be a destroyer because you could walk in and say, change this, change this, do this. Or I know through time of, of being that service oriented person is that I've come along with the relationships so that through suggestions or putting other staff members in the right positions so that they can be that leader of change. Um, it doesn't have to be just me. So I think that we continually reform and it's hard work, but it's through the eyes of, of what the system and the vision is that we've put together as a team. Yes. And that's where that, that helper number two wing, and not only the fact that you have it, but your self-awareness to see how that's evolved and how that can make your, um, who you are as the reformer really a superpower, I think, because it provides to you that opportunity to do it in a collaborative way in the spirit of service to make things better and not because you're judging it and that it could just simply be better, right? That's it's kind of summarizing what you said in a way more eloquent way. Um, and, and what a gift that is to be able to share with the, in our community right now, just this level of self-awareness that you have around the Enneagram and how those, that core and the, the wings have helped you. But I really appreciate too, how you're sharing how that can be. Um, there's a shadow side to that and there's a danger, you know, if we don't know. So for me, just even processing through this right now is such a beautiful illustration of why we need to understand ourselves and know when we're healthy and when we're unhealthy. And you know, hey, another piece about this, uh, those that are listening that have led in any capacity, one of the things we struggle with is delegation. Have you seen that <laughs> kind of rear its head in your 31 years of professional service? Oh, definitely. And I think that's where I'm, I've been, I go back to my first role as a, as a special education teacher and having paraprofessionals in my room that, you know, to delegate responsibilities to them. And again, I had some very amazing paras early on that made that easy. Sometimes it's not as easy if you don't think those people are capable. So it, it comes again, along with growing, taking the strengths that they have and helping them be um, more than they realize in themselves so that they can be easier to delegate to. And then I look back through the years that I had no intention. Again, I mentioned early on, education wasn't something I thought I wanted to go into. And I never dreamt that I would be in a principalship role. I really fought that pretty hard. Um, I'd have a building leader come into our building and things would be going really great and go, oh, good, breathe, just do my, my role here in my classroom or whatever it is I'm doing and, and move on. And then we'd have a switch and, and we'd have a different leader come in. And I think, oh my goodness, now we've, we've backtracked, things aren't going as well. Um, I know I could do this. And then I'd take a couple more classes and I kind of did that ebb and flow for the longest time. And finally, um, 
had a, an ex- extraordinary principal leave and I just had to have a heart to heart with myself and visit with my husband at length then and decided to jump into that principalship role knowing that when I landed there, I wanted to leave the school in a place where it didn't matter if the principal came and went, that we had developed something internally that would continue on because the leadership within the teachers would keep that going no matter what the change was um, at the principal side. Oh my goodness. That is just so powerful. You know, we hear from so many leaders who just say, well, I was recruited in or I kind of fell into it. And it's just this really uh, beautiful message of service right here, which again, explains why you're here on this series is to make the system better. And it, and it speaks again to your core of the reform piece and doing it in a, um, a spirit of service is so powerful. And I know, um, you know, that you have a heart like this that I just don't think will ever stop <laughs> when I think about you and your journey um, and what that means for the, the systems that you lead and the people around you. One of the things that I want to be able to touch upon before we walk away from your um, interview uh, into the standard questions is your service to your professional association too, because this is a big thing um, you have been involved in. You want to talk a little bit about your involvement with your state? This principal association, we just merged our two um, elementary and secondary associations this last year. Um, So right again, right into my very first year, even as an assistant principal, I did serve that for one year. I had a local principal invite me to come alongside. He was leaving, um, moving back into the teaching position, so offered me to fill his position. So I got right on board with our Kansas Association of Elementary School Principals and have been a part of that from the get-go, which is incredible. And again, again, I'm a, I'm a bigger picture person, and I think that's what keeps me driving and doing the best I can for my district is that I don't confine myself to the walls of what's happening here because I think there's danger in that. I just need to see that bigger picture of what we can do and what's available. So I've been, I worked my way th- um, just as a member and then was asked to come along the executive board and then served as principal, uh, excuse me, um, president of our association um, last year. And then as we merged into combining our two organizations this year, service past president on that um, organization. So just a great opportunity as a pre- as a the president to go to some national type things too. So the National Leadership Conference for the National Association of Elementary School Principals and was able to go to Spokane two summers ago to the national conference. And all of the folks just like you who I found on Twitter who became a part of my professional learning network, but more important friends that I have never met in person, but know I can go to and and challenge me and grow me. Um has allowed me to think a, a bit broader and I, I think help us as a district and school to be stronger because of these broader views. Oh, again, I'm just in love with the way you're describing um, this, again, service, right? Being a member and moving up into higher levels of leadership in that association and and leading at the national level to help to create uh the systems and the vision that you need locally and what a powerful message that listeners are hearing right now. And I love that example tying back to, again, how you even got into the principal role is this, you know, this idea that you didn't want to get stuck in the weeds, you know, you just, you want to lead your school. And I know that you have been a huge part of creating a framework, um, at your school that will do exactly what it is you are seeking to do, keep those systems in place. Do you want to talk a little bit about the systems level um, 
initiative that you have at the school where it's like powerful to know that it's going to stay strong. That teacher leadership is going to stay strong no matter what. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so our district had the opportunity in um, 2017 to become one of Kansas's seven Mercury schools for redesign. And at that time we knew as administrators, our district offered a lot, um, but we just needed to grow more and have the right supports in place. But we also needed to go back and do a true systems change. So we have just two buildings in our district, an elementary and a high school. So we went through that process with the state department and we have two amazing coaches and the state department that still stay involved with us um, four years later. And through this process, we looked at our true vision and then worked ourselves through um, goal setting, um, both at the district level and at the at the building level. And then from there, just really honing in on how each one of us as individuals within that building can impact the overall goals, both building and systems. And again, just a true blessing to the way the system was set up was it was teacher led. So our researching happened with teachers and I just moved from group to group supporting them, getting them what they needed, but staying out of their way to get the work done. And then from that point on, those teacher leaders have grown, developed. I love getting on Twitter of an evening and seeing them have the same interactions I'm having um, nationally and being able to share and grow and come back that next day. It's It's been a phenomenal transformation. And um, prior to in the pandemic, we also served as a demonstration site. So we have other schools coming in to visit and see what we're doing and the changes that we've made for our kids and our why. And it's, it's just an incredible um, opportunity. And in the, again, looking for a positive in the pandemic, I really had to step back and look at the things that we had to put aside because of this, because of operational changes, but to know that we'll jump right back where we were um, prior to this because it was the right thing to do for kids. I love that. And I'm so glad that we got a chance to share that too, because it just, it goes back again to so many different levels of service that just flow through you without even being, you know, trying. It's like <laughs> you make these wonderful systemic changes that you jump into and you're sharing it with other schools to help them grow. And it's just such a really beautiful illustration of the ripple effect of your life of, of service, really. And I also wanted to mention, because I think it's awesome, you received a, a award or I think a distinction this year that I want to make sure you get some credit for. And I know you don't want to, like, you're not out there shining the light and saying, Hey, look at me, look at me. But I just really love when people who like you serve so strongly for so long and so well, um, and care so deeply about the people around them get distinction. So do you want to talk about the opportunity to be, um, get the distinguished principal award? Yes, I can share about that, Sarah. Um, my superintendent um, nominated me for a district level um, Kansas principal and received that. And then um, all of us that were in the, the district winners were um, then entered into the Kansas National Distinguished Principal, of which I was received that award well as well. And so many times I say, again, I'm just going to be humble here. I tie that back to everybody else that's impacted my role because I am not doing this alone by any means. I've got a Kansas Principals Voxer group that um, we chat daily, share ideas, share wins, have fun together. I have that at the national level too with Principals in Action group that I stay actively engaged in. So it's not about me. It's honestly a true reflection of all those principals who feed into me and make me better. And I hope in return, I'm doing the same for them. So with that Kansas Distinguished Principal um, 
award. We do get to go to the national level. Of course, that was supposed to happen in October in Washington, D.C. And that, of course, was canceled. But we are keeping our fingers crossed. And I am hopeful for July that we'll be able to go to Chicago and I'll get to meet the other um, state winners and um, other winners that there's four more in addition to the state winners. And we'll get to share our stories together and um, celebrate maybe just coming through the amazing work we've done in the last year um, on this pandemic side, too. Mm, wouldn't that be nice? And I, I'm hoping that happens for you, Stacey, because, uh, you know, as, as you say, I mean, that humble peace matters, the people you surround yourself with, but that, um, disposition that allows for others to pour into you is really what does distinguish you, Stacey. You are a, a gift to your local community as well as broader. And there's a reciprocity in that, that it just makes me so happy to see you getting that distinction, not because it serves you, but because it serves others by having you as an example and a model lifted up for what true leadership uh, that has a servant orientation can look like. And it's beautiful. And I wanted to share with the listeners, actually, what got you and I to the next level of connection is one of your staff members had reached out to me because you had a connection uh, this summer and a sadness of a colleague passing. And she, it, I just think it's so beautiful because it's an example. She literally said, would you just reach out to her? Um, she, you know, serves so well and cares so deeply for others that she just needs a little extra level of support. And I find that to be such a powerful illustration of who you are uh, and who you surround yourself with. And so I just wanted the listeners to hear that. It's a really special thing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's yeah. And that's one of my, my prince, uh, excuse me, one of my teachers that truly is a connected um, teacher throughout our state and, and national levels. And she knows that broader picture that we can all just do so much more together. And she knew that me hearing from you, which it was, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. Um, I needed that. So thank you for responding. <laughs> well, it turns out I needed it too. So that was wonderful. <laughs> All right, my friend, well, we got to get to those two questions because I know that you're going to have some gold here for the listeners and there's going to be a mission in your message. So are you ready for those? I am ready. Okay. So if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? I would write that letter to me as a young mom. And it goes back to ouch, number one, um, Graham, the reformer, the perfectionist. As a young mom, I, I still wanted to keep all those things in place, like a clean house and the schedule and, and all these things that I, like Saturday morning, I'd have been cleaning like crazy and keeping everything neat and tidy instead of sitting on the floor playing with our kiddos. And so I write that letter because my daughter's heading into this life and I want her to, to know that a dirty house is okay and that, that perfectionism piece, just let it go. Um, so that's who I write that letter to and just to have more fun and to, to not get caught up in what I might look like to others as a young mom. Mm, that's so beautiful. And I just can feel that somebody needed to hear that from you right now. <laughs> so thank you for that, Stacy. How about this one? If listeners find themselves in a pit of fear or doubt, what could you say to help them rise up out of it? So for me, I, I, I have to battle that fear part um, often and just letting others down that piece. So for me, it's, it's, I've gotten so much better at this, but I also fall back, but it's just pausing, um, breathing and seeking the truth. And so many times that are what we fear or what it is that's holding us back as untruth. It's either been built up by someone else or something else. But when we stop and reflect on what is really happening, um, 
And for me, it's seeking um, seeking God's wisdom in that. Then I know I'm going to come out and and know the right thing to do and the right answer to have. Or sometimes it's just not to act at all. Mm, yeah, I I really really appreciate that wisdom and just that sharing because I think fear is so prevalent. You know, it always is, but you know, as you said, it, it just always comes from an untruth. And so, thank you for that um, reminder for the listeners just to really pause and breathe and reflect where that story is coming from. Um, thank you for that. So important, especially coming from a, a well-accomplished leader that has, um, obviously, if you if you want to put on paper all of your accomplishments, you've accomplished a lot in your life, but sharing that you still you have to conquer fears is so important for us to hear. So thank you for that. All right. I know that you are a very well-connected person. And so I want to make sure that listeners hear the best way to be able to engage with you after this interview so they can keep on with the awesomeness that Stacy is. Pretty much Twitter is my main way to stay in touch with me. I have Facebook, but I keep that just pretty personal. Um, again, in a small community, I think that's important. So I try not to interact professionally as much there. So um, on my Twitter account, it's at USD271SGS. and um, I love chatting there. I love informal conversations, building. Um, and then just my email to sgreen at usd271.com. Just this morning on a chat, we were I was meeting with another, virtually, with another principal across the state who we've had some redesign work with. And so anytime we can share ideas and build from each other and learn, I am more than willing to make those connections. So please reach out. That's awesome. And listeners, as you know, I will be sure to link Stacy's contact information so that you can easily grab it just right in the show notes. Stacy, you are one of the biggest blessings of my life. Our deeper connection in 2020 has served my heart and my spirit. And I just appreciate you coming on the show so that you can do the same thing for all the people who hear the mission and your message. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. Again, right back at you. Um, thank you for this time to grow me um, because that's been important as in my next steps is that I'm looking for growth and you've done that for me as well. And I know that through your um, vision and mission, you'll continue to do that. So blessings to people that get to touch out to you too. Oh, thank you, Stacy. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.